Cradleine Network. Fifth episode of Big Mac One. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Eli, and here's the podcast where two Americans patrol their way to the Judge Dread magazine. This episode, we're talking about the magazine volume one, issues six and seven, cover dates March and April 1991. This episode will reach the conclusions of both America and Chopper. Um, Al develops morning sickness, and there's two new and extremely spooky stories, one of them with spiders. I, um, if you want to read along, you should find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 15, and the Al's Baby, America, Chopper, and Young Death Collections. How you doing this time, Eli? How are you finding the magazine so far? Uh, it's been awesome. We get into some really crazy stuff this time, so I was surprised, but uh, it's, a, it's a good ride. Very exciting <laughs> stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's sort of – it's funny. This thing's coming – or I guess like as we're recording this, we're entering October. So I'm feeling like, ooh, yes, the time for spookiness. But when this is coming out, it's like December. So it's getting Christmassy. So it's like whatever. The <laughs> well, differences of time, I suppose. Uh, Night Before Christmas is my favorite movie. So, you know, Christmas ooh. and Halloween are – you know, that's the same holiday yeah. really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're inextricably linked for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I get. Let's uh, let's. Uh, speaking of heartwarming children's stories, <laughs> let's talk about story one. Al's baby. All right. Script robot for Al's baby, John Wagner. Art robot, Carlos Escara. Letting robot, Gordon Robson. Chi-town hitman Al Bastardi needs to have a grandson for his father-in-law, Don Luigi Sarcoma, but his wife Velma is unwilling to carry it. Oh, no. <laughs> She's got a terrible singing career to think about, Eli. She's a career woman. <laughs> <laughs> the two fight about it, and um, neither anger, nor flowers, nor an actual symbolic coffin will make her budge, which is pretty pretty solid. This coffin gets delivered, and she's like, it won't work, Alan just comes barge at her, like, you're killing me, Valma! <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Al suggests what I think we've all been thinking, and brings in a surrogate mother to carry the baby, but Velma rejects it, because the baby's just got to be carried by one of them. And not her. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's math. Yeah, listen, that's just how it goes. Got a Venn diagram here. <laughs> Things are looking bad when the Don has a heart attack and he uses his time in the hospital to order some big boots to threaten Alan. Like, oh, hey, try those boots on. I'm like, oh, they're a little loose. They'll fit fine with the cement in them. I want that bambino. <laughs> Al has a long midnight of the soul. He sees he sees, feels like he has two options, which is carry the kid himself or just kill himself and get it over with, basically. <laughs> Both his like shoulder angel and devil argue over it. But in the end, the angel manages to machine gun the devil and Al decides that he he's a tough guy and it's just nine months. So he and Velma go to that doctor in Florida. After some light threats, Al heads to surgery, still wearing his hat, and the deed is done. And we're back done, where we I want to add. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The gun, too. Absolutely. Got to be strapped for that surgery. 
<laughs> but finally, we're back where this story started last episode without telling everybody that he's pregnant at Vinny's bar. Everybody seems okay with it, or at least they're afraid of not being okay with it. Except, of course, for Al, Al's buddy Sal, who grabs Al's cigar. You can't smoke when you're pregnant. <laughs> Things seem okay, except that all of this is coincidentally happening on the same night that this marks the start of the great Shy town gang war of the distant future, 2014. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even realize that until I... He just pointed it out. Uh, that's funny. And yeah. they, they do do a very cautionary tale explaining that bullets being shot is d- terrible for pregnancy uh, and anything else, really. Just uh, if you can avoid of, it. Yeah, a lot of things that have messed your pregnancy for sure. <laughs> oh, geez, a drive-by. Bunch of cars with gangsters and machine guns attack Vinny's bar as Sal keeps explaining why Al shouldn't be smoking while he's pregnant. But it ain't the time, as Al grabs his gun and shoots back, hitting one of the would-be assassins in the year, and that assassin, Mutt McCluskey, swears revenge. Al keeps shooting and yelling weird threats until the cops come. Uh, I like this part. There's a little sort of small moment where the, where the waiter at the restaurant just takes everybody's guns and like a tablecloth and walks off. <laughs> and Al's starting to feel pretty grim by the time a cop shows up to get his statement. Al pukes all over the officer. It's morning sickness, which can happen at any time, we learn from Sal, who apparently has like a billion kids and even <laughs> delivered three of them himself. <laughs> no, there's that experience for you. She just holds up this picture with like him in his black gangster suit surrounded by like untold numbers of children. <laughs> but he's going to get out through this process. <laughs> Later at Don Luigi's mansion, the mob is going to wa- is going into a war footing against that rotten conniving rat fink Don Ratsoveruka, which is like a foot thing, foot disease. Don't, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, everybody grab the big guns and start killing everybody. Except for you, Al. You stay. And the Don basically explains that he's been super pleased by this whole Al carrying the baby thing. It's new and weird. And he doesn't like it, especially if Al's going to be his top enforcer. He sort of public, he openly debates having Al killed, but seems to have decided against it even after Al has morning sickness again and throws up all over him. <laughs> I want to add that that morning sickness, there is a lot of it. He obviously just fills up and then just unloads all of it. Is, uh, I mean, Al's, Al's a big guy. Yeah, you know, right. He's got to have a big breakfast and all that stuff. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll puke a lake on you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Al's Baby, Mob War. <laughs> I like this story. It's really funny, I think. Just yeah. all these like gangster stereotypes and like pregnancy things and stuff. This is a good combination of, uh, of, us, of, of a story elements. Yeah, you couldn't really do this outside of sci-fi, but it like – um, I, I like how it kind of expands and like flips like gender roles, like because uh, uh, I think like historically pregnancy has been like the most womanly thing you could do. Yeah, of course, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, so having like this, the most masculine dude ever doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much the same the same kind of jokes that that movie Junior, where, where Arnold Schwarzenegger got pregnant, has, what? but like. It's a movie? Yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, in that one, he's, like, a doctor who's, like, doing science on himself and stuff. Like, 
He's not Arnold. He's not like Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's also pregnant or whatever. Like he's not doing big action things. It's more just sort of the funniness of him, like you know, having hot flashes or whatever else and stuff uh, or whatever, as opposed to having big action things and him being pregnant, which I think is really what 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 we're getting in this one. It seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. So, hey, let's, uh, you know, listen, that's Al's baby is fun. Let's maybe get more serious now <laughs> with Story 2 America. Script robot John Wagner, art robot Colin McNeil, and robot Annie Parkhouse. So last time, America Yarrow and Bennett Beanie reunited after he witnessed her and a group of terrorists kill a judge, and he was uh, shot in the throat in the process. After spending the night together, she asked him for 100,000 credits, and a few days later, they meet at a hove-in, which is a drive-in, but for hover cars, of course, um, <laughs> in the north side of the city, where they sit in swings in, like, a park in the back of the of the drive-in, and um, just sort of, like, talk amongst themselves, basically. Um he asks what the money's for, and after some after some uh, trying to avoid it, she admits it's to buy explosives. They're going to blow up the Statue of Liberty as a symbol of the fallen state of this country. Um, Beanie asks her questions about it, eventually gets all the information about the plan, then gives her the money. He asks if after all this she'll give up her beliefs, and she kind of looks back at him as she goes and says she'll think about it. But then heads off into the night. Later, at the, sta- at the Statue of Liberty, itself towered over by the Statue of, Go- of, of Judgment. And I got to say, Eli, they're really messing with the perspectives in here. Because, like, I think I've previously seen versions of this where the Statue of Liberty was maybe, like, at Half, shoulder height to right. the Statue of Judgment. Or, like, maybe waist high. Right. But now in this, it's, like, knee shit, high right. to it. It's, right. Yeah. They yeah, really not even knee high. You're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there, the judges lie in wait as Beatty's hover car circles the area. When suddenly, two of, two other hover cars approach the statue, and Dread has them taken out by disruptor cannons. Both crafts crash into the foot of the statue, and the terrorists get out and find themselves surrounded by judges with rifles. It's a setup. One man tries to plead no contest. But there's a full page image of him just being shredded apart by gunfire. Very well done, I might add. It's really um what I really like about this artist Colin McNeil is he's got this way of drawing violence that really like doesn't glorify it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. That like makes things look exciting and action packed, but also like really brutal right. and like makes you think like, ooh, like this is just dis- th- this violence is distasteful instead of exciting, I guess. Right. Yeah, I think it's the the painterly nature and the contrast of the colors. They use mm-hmm. a lot of those dark colors, then hit those with a strong contrast of some bright reds and oranges. And, mm. and I think that kind of gives you like this real feeling and this kind of sadness just with the color. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah. I, I, I think you're definitely right. So now things are moving fast. The total war folks are shot to pieces by the judges on the ground. There's even more of them. The Statue of Liberty's crown. One of the vehicles explode as a judge calls a ceasefire. From the other vehicle, a figure crawls out, gun in one hand, reaching for an America flag in the other. Benny sees her and shouts, Annie! A woman, and elsewhere, a woman, America, prepares to go out on stage as the narration says, Yes, I remember America. In the shadow of the Statue of Liberty, America Yara stumbles forward with the flag in her hand, a judge fires at her and is scolded for it, 
And Benny lands his card, runs to her. And Dredd, who seems to be in charge, says to let him and identifies him as their informer for this case. Cradling America in his arms, Beatty asks for a medic as he admits to her that he informed on her because he had to. There's, you know, the judge would have found out about this eventually, no matter what. Um, the judges plan to round or make plans to round to round up the rest of the Total War group, but Betty himself is let free um, because he gave them the info to stop this attack. And um, yeah, and he gave that both with his own amnesty and the promise that America would be spared as well. But now it seems she's dying in his arms, wrapped in flag. Beanie asks Dredd why they had to be so dramatic about this whole thing, and Dredd just kind of says, "Hey, we're in show business too." And this is a show of force against those that would stand up against the judges. Beanie uh, damns him, his hands red with the blood of his lover. And later, at the talk of the Med Club, an MC calls a returning Bennett Beanie to the stage, and he arrives in the body of America. She suffered massive brain damage from the crash of her hover car and was brain dead by the time she reached the hospital, which we see is the, uh, the Magnus Pike block who was a UK doctor and TV personality. I think most people might know him from the uh, She Blinded Me With Science mu music video. <laughs> but anyway, um, she had no family, no, ne no next of kin, just Bennett Beattie. He agonized over it for months, but eventually made the decision, and because of his ruined throat, had his brain transplanted into her body. He's done it to punish himself. He's got her, he got her killed, and now he'll spend the rest of his life made in a prison of her. Or the rest of his life stuck in a prison made of her. Benny's done singing happy songs, he says on stage. And now it seems he'll be singing of her dream. To overcome the judges, to fight, to keep looking for America as we see a montage of Yara through her ages mixed with the Statue of Liberty and the ruined flag as well as Be uh, Benny's final note to her. And that's the end of America. But not quite because there's a final image of a, of a close-up of a judge's face that says freedom, democracy, the American dream. It doesn't work. You can't trust people. So dream on, creep. But remember, that's all it is. A dream. America is dead, and this is the real world. Woo! <laughs> the end, for real. Right. Oh, man. Uh, you know, when you said that you were looking forward to this comic, I was like, you know, I had my, uh, maybe, you know, maybe it just won't be for me. But after getting to the end of it, it is, it's definitely... One of my favorites, if not just my favorite. So This is a really great story. I mean, it just really does. I feel like it really kind of brings in all these sort of things that we've seen in Dread up until this point about like um, democracy and, and liberty and just a lot of this sort of um, these America, American things, I think, that, you know, we sort of by default hold dear and are such a big part of like, I don't know, like comic books maybe? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like that whole like Superman, like truth, justice in the American way kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, but yeah, we've known for a but while. But that's not what we have in Judge Dredd, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> they, they've been uh, very clear about uh, how they feel about it. And uh, it's like, yeah, uh, you can keep dreaming, you know, yeah, what he said at the end. Uh, but it's just a dream. Uh, you know, this, yeah. this is America here. That's uh, fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a real, it's a real strong statement at the start of this comic that, like, 
that like Shred isn't really the good guy. Like you shouldn't really be be rooting for these guys all that much, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and they their effectiveness in destroying those liberties and like you know sabotaging these you know movements uh, really shows how terrifying and capable they really are with snuffing out hope and you know right. uh, freedoms. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, yeah. So just so you know, Eli, um, there is an America Part Two. Nice. Um, but we won't see it until 1996. So about five years of magazines from now. Mm-hmm. Got it. So a while. I haven't actually read it yet, just because it's sort of like I sort of stopped reading. Like I sort of I read the first thousand issues of of, of 2000 AD, and then the magazines that came out along with it. And that ends in about 1995 or so. So America 2 kind of came out after that. Um, so I'm excited to see what it is what, what, when we get to it, but certainly mm. still a ways off. <laughs> Got it. Nice. I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and then there's also like – I should say there's all – like in the future, eventually there's also a char- like a, another character that kind of comes out of this story. But that's again just something for the for, – for, for far from now. So not not too much to worry about. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. But, but yeah, but speaking of uh, origin stories for major characters, Eli. No, nice. I was wondering how you're going to tie this one in. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a professional. I'm going to give know. this a seven or an eight at least. <laughs> oh, actually, <laughs> I should probably I, – I, I want to say a little bit more about America actually before yeah. we go. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, this story is I, – I mean, I know I really liked it and it's and I and it sounds like, like, like you did too. And it, this is very much like one of the um, – like archetypal dread stories or like like big like if you want to get somebody into dread like this is one of the things that that you'd show them and stuff yeah I could they um they just release like as we're recording this they've just released a big um like prestige hardcover collection of this comic like just re-released it basically with like new lost script like uh, early scripts and other things like that that i've i've I really want to check out, but it sort of means that, like, you know, it's this kind of thing where this is one of these stories where they really kind of take it seriously and they sort of be like, all right, like, this is like, you know, some of our best work. So I think it's really great to start the magazine off with it. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah, cool. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Story three, Young Death. Uh, script robot John Wagner's Brian Scudder. Art robot Peter Doherty. Letting robot Gordon Robson. Uh, so... Young Death, Young Judge Death, a boy named Sidney. He's got a weird upturned nose and he's learning the ways of pain with his dad, who's an evil dentist. We see Death's father drilling into the mouth of a paralyzed but in no way numbed patient, pulling teeth out of his skull while insulting him in a way that when I was preparing this recap, Eli actually gave me a, a toothpaste panic attack. So good times. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> I like brush my stuff. teeth. Re- I had to like rush and like brush my teeth for some reason. It was complicated. Right. No, <laughs> I dig. It'll do that to you. I got I got teeth stuff. Um, but yeah, we see even the father letting his son mess around in this man's mouth as well. And that's time for the next patient. Back in the present, death explains that most people were so afraid of dentists they didn't dare report his father. And then it's just sort of yeah. And then like there's just some like he kind of threatens threatens Scudder's teeth as well. You know, just like oh you've got nice teeth, Mister Scudder. 
<laughs> anyway, as these things. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> He's like, "Don't look at my teeth." Uh, you know, it's they're, Let's they're all moving. fine. Let's just next top. <laughs> Definitely. Um, anyway, as these things go, Soon's death's dad was killing his patients instead, and father and son team up just to kind of toss bodies off a nearby cliff. Father, ex- the, um, dad explains idly that everyone has worms in their brains and killing them is the only way to stop these worms, which also like lightly freaked me out. Um, death admits that his dad is like being pretty crazy at this point, but the overall message that you're only bad when you're alive was was taken by him. You know, that's what he's trying to get at, basically. <laughs> In the end, though, something had to be done, so eventually Death ratted out his own father to the judges, who we see, like, this reality's judges for the first time. Their uniforms are way darker and a lot more red than our judges. These are clearly, like, more evil judges, basically. (laughs) Death figures he can do more good, i.e. kill people, by doing it with the law instead instead of against the law. So he soon joins the judges himself. At the academy, they even let him throw his own father, throw the switch at his own father's execution, which is certainly a certain kind of bonding, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, with his father dead, young Sidney's now at law school, learning to be a judge. I mean, sure, listen, Eli, he had his problems with the professors. There were some <laughs> unexplained deaths and fires at the faculty dormitories and stuff like that. But that's just kind of how it goes, you know? Right. Standard <laughs> standard judge stuff. He's a precocious youth. <laughs> and luckily he planned ahead and thus managed to frame his bunkmate Morgie for a blaze that killed four senior tutors. And I got to say, just in look – like because we're in an alternate reality, I am vaguely looking for – um alternate versions of people and stuff like that and like morgie like a, a judge dread has this mentor who is named judge morph oh. and judge morgie sounds kind of like that so that could be like a version of that or something i don't know <laughs> i think you go a little bit of a stretch but maybe I'm, I'm just i'm just looking for it you know it could be there <laughs> anyway sydney suggests that since morgie looks pretty guilty maybe for punishment they could hunt him for sport and the idea is easily agreed upon right yeah this the alternate world is definitely a lot darker a lot more sociopaths and murderers in uh in the definitely i like this world. part after after he says that where scudder's like so i guess like life's just cheaper on in your reality <laughs> right no one, no one seems to care no one's like Maybe that's a bad idea. Everyone's like, "Yeah, more murder." Like things are things are pretty messed up in in Dread World, but I don't know if a bunch of kids hunting another kid for sport would really be on the table here. You know, it's like and Dread and Death's just like, "Yeah, listen, we're a little bit more enlightened where I come from, <laughs> right? You know, we're cultured." Yeah, it's like when when you learn someone's parents are nudists and they kind of have a defensive attitude about it. You know, yeah, they just don't like to wear. They just like to be a little freer. You know, you're right. the one who's weird, buddy. Right. <laughs> yeah, we hunted this guy for death. That's how it goes. You know. Uh, um. Anyway, after that, Mrs. M- Mrs. Gunderson, Death's landlord, comes in, offers Scudder some tea, misses the the cup completely when pouring it, and then trips over the body of Death's old roommate as she sees herself out. This is some, some some quick blind jokes in here, right? Just to keep it rolling, you know. <laughs> A vet, elsewhere, we see Judge Hershey investigating Scudder's apartment. 
She, she finds it deserted except for his robot appliances, and under questioning from her, the robots reveal that Scudder has been to interview Death himself. Whoa! And next time on Young Death, Sydney goes to court. So I guess we'll see what that's all about, I guess. Yeah, I'm definitely starting to like this story more and more as I get further into it. And, you know, I, I knew that. I knew it was like, get to the backstory. I want to know more about the past, so... Uh, yeah, but, yeah. This story is, way, is is a lot longer than any of the other stories that we started with in the magazine, and so I think it sort of ended up feeling very drawn out, just because it because it's longer, it had more setup time, and I think both like a lot of the times when we even talking about it, and even maybe putting it towards the bottom of our final thrill count, it's because it's been like, all right, like listen, I'm ready. I'm ready to see the young death part, you right. know? Yeah. And I think also them uh, taking the time to explain, like, social structures, like how other people mm. in this dimension kind of just feel about, think, you know, think things. Like, I love that um, Join the Judges poster where they're like, beat people up, kill people, you know, with reasons, quote unquote, you know, you can't. Right. Like, so they're totally like, the judges are, yeah, we, we're murderers, you know, we're just paid, you know, it's fine. Get get some money, kill yeah. some people. It's good. Yeah, there's much more of a wink and a nod about their murderous tendencies here than maybe right. the regular Justice Department. Right. So find, <laughs> Mega City One, yeah. So I find that interesting. And it, it puts it, paints it in a way where I could see, like, okay, I can see how Judge Death would, you know, take over the world and, you know, be the only survivors. Because I'm like, no way, no way people are just going to agree that death is the best option. And then as I see more of the world, like, okay, it's not, yeah. I could see maybe how that could happen. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, they aren't starting from zero right. when they're choosing death as, you know, where judge death becomes a thing. You know, they're sort of, they're, they're already partially down a path as it's coming, you know. Right. <laughs> Speaking of paths, as they, no, I, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> no, it's fine. Listen, spe you know. Honestly, I think I think I might cut a I I might uh, uh, go to covers and editorials here because I feel like a lot of this first part is the uh, is the John Wagner Power Hour, you know, <laughs> like three. The first half is just all the John Wagner stuff, which is a real testament, I think, to his writing ability that he's able to write these three stories that are so different and have such different tones and stuff like that, right? Um, that they really stand out from everything else that we that we or that that they both sort of while they're all well written, the fact that it's sort of you know we've got this hilarious Al's baby story and this really like emotional affecting story America mm -hmm. and this ridiculous young death story all from the same mind. I think is really interesting. Like yeah, <laughs> testament his ability, I guess. Yeah, and I do wonder if uh, like. He has, co you know, people helping him with these writing or uh, if the artists get like any input or like, you know, if, if I think there's definitely a conversation about like with the artists about how these about, about how how certain things go for sure. I mean, a lot of the artists that we're seeing here, especially the art, the ones for um, for both Al's baby and um and and America are both these more experienced guys that Wagner's worked with before, like especially uh, Carlos Escara for Al's baby. It, you know they the, the, these guys been working together for like twenty years at this point or something like that, and right. so I think they 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 just must have a rapport at right. this point just to kind right. of be like let's work together to kind of like tell the best possible story and right. stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, it definitely feels like uh, they're bouncing ideas, and it's also because the narrative. 
pairs so well with the art. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we, have, we have this really sad story and then we have an artist that, you know, kind of uh, has mastery over that dark, sad contrast of light. And like, so I, I definitely feel like there's a... Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There's I really, out. I really feel like they're, you know, especially for a lot of these, for some of these early stories, they're really trying to put their best foot forward with the best possible stuff. I think. Well, so let's talk quickly about uh, covers and editorials in here. Uh, covers and editorials. So for issue six, we got shock treatment. We see a, a perp getting charged up with electricity as Dread looks on. This cover by Sean Phillips. The editorial mentions new artist Deem Ormstrom and mentions the end of Chopper with a shout out to artist Phil Winslade, who apparently helped with some scripting and setting up some pieces of that story. Um, and also thanks readers just for buying the dang magazine. And then the Meg ends with Dreadline, which is a letter page, which is the letter page where folks ask to join the Justice Department, get a description, get a subscription delivered to France. Ask about Anderson and the Meg coming soon enough and compliment the America story. And finally, uh, or next, there's issue seven, the end of America, as Colin McNeil does one of the, like, this, um, his cover here is probably one of the most iconic Judge Dredd images at a uh, period. Like, this one is, if you're doing a montage of, like, 2000 AD covers, this is what, this has to be part of that list, basically. This image of a uh, of of America with a gun in the hand, looking shell shocked, with the background of a tattered American flag and a judge right behind her in red. Ooh, it's real right. good. I like that yeah. image so much. Inside, the editor is pretty happy about the progress of America. Announces the start of the cha- uh, announces the start of the uh, Strange Cases series. Mid Meg, there's an ad for the big 2080 relaunch in Prague 723, which I'm pretty excited for parts of. And there's also an ad for the Red Razors story, which we'll see next episode. And that takes us along to Story 4, the Mega City News. Uh, script robot Tony Allen, art robot Shanty. This is just a section of fake news from the city of the future. Where it seems that a, a bankrupt Brit sit has sold Stonehenge to Mega City One, and now everybody's just partying inside of it and stuff like that. Um, Checks out. Yeah, why not? I'd, I'd party in Stonehenge. It seems pretty awesome. Uh, there's also a crazy ad for just getting various things surgically implanted on the top of your head, like a big fist or a windmill or solar panels, I guess. Get this stuff in your head. Um, and it also seems like the last tree wasn't made into a newspaper last episode, but they, as they've since found another possible last tree, but now that has been cut down and made into this issue of the Mega City News. <laughs> so they're looking, trees. Right. Yeah, they're looking for more trees, is the basic point. Um, <laughs> after that, there's only two. The, um, in, in issue seven, there's only two pages of the Mega City News. It seems a random dude has won the magazine in a raffle. And there's a few classified ads, including one to have your pet made into a glove to be a little bit easier to take care of. <laughs> and this is sort of the last, like, regular installment of the Mega City News. It'll pop up from um, here and again as we're sort of going forward. But this is the last time that, 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 it, that this feature is going to appear in every issue. But yeah, just sort of a little – but I kind of liked it. You know, just a little uh, side side thing that helps set up kind of what, what it's like to live in Mega City 1, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like just sort of like here's this crazy town. Here's these crazy people inside of it and stuff. Yeah, it but makes listen, you feel a part of it. 
Yeah, exactly. But listen, now we need that space for actual stories. So, you know, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of weird, of of, uh, crazy stories and threats from space, (laughs) let's talk (laughs) about Story 5, Chopper. Script, script, Garth Ennis, artist, John McRae, lettering, Annie Parkhouse. And yeah, the Stig Corp Earth Movers are powering towards Drongo Springs, where the judges escorting them get a message from the chief judge saying to chuck a Yui and come on home. So they do. <laughs> Back at Stig Corp HQ, Derek O'Hearn has found the spare ammo for his pistol and used it to finally blow away that photographer from last episode that showed the surfers where to find the uh, negatives of the photos he was using to blackmail the chief judge of Oz. Um, He also sees that while those surfers took the negatives, they left the prints still there. So, like, he doesn't have the negatives, but he does have the actual photos themselves. So the blackmail's still on. Good times. (laughs) Meanwhile, Chopper and Jug are speeding to the Earth Movers. Like, those things are bad, and these guys don't really have a plan. But they are plucky and have courage, and that counts for a lot. They're kings of the sky, children of the wi- of the wind, and so they go flying at these earth movers. Chopper buzzes through the cab of one, knocking out several dudes and decapitating one of them with the side of his surfboard, which I don't know if that would work, but I'm just going to go with it, I think. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're very sharp. You know, they polish those and... I guess so, yeah. <laughs> um, that one goes out of control and nearly hits another earth mover. Um, and Jug buzzes the cab of that one, but then flies off because he was distracting them from realizing that they're about to go off the side of a cliff, and they do and are destroyed, so good time. <laughs> um, there's one mover left, half a kilometer from the springs, and one of the dudes inside of it has a gun. He shoots at Jug, hitting the surfer in the leg and shooting up his board. He's going down in flames! Chopper tells Jug to pull up, but he can't. He's prepared to sacrifice himself to stop the mover. But Chopper isn't prepared to let him sacrifice himself. He swoops down, pulls Jug off his board as the uh, hoverboard crashes into the Earth Mover, and they both explode! Whoa! (laughs) They've saved the springs, and Jug is hurt, but basically okay. Chopper drops uh, drops Jug off. He's got one last thing to take care of. Teamwork. Uh, Crazy. Yeah, good times. Back in Sydney, Derek is on TV showing off the blackmail footage of the chief judge. But when he does, the um, the judge like thinks like, oh, I've been, it's a scandal. I'm going to get fired. And he gets, but he gets a call from city hall, and they all love the photos. They think he's a cool dude. <laughs> That's awesome, buddy. Come on, get that cool stuff. <laughs> you and that speedo, um, that chest hair, man, remind me of a young younger me. Right, yeah, hanging out with wallabies. That's excellence in a sexy way. Excellent. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Really uh, uh, reaching out with our community, you know, really connecting the youth. We like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the chief judge – so Derek sits in the darkness as the chief is hailed as a hero of the common blokes. When there's a knock at the door, it's Chopper. He grabs Derek and pulls him out into the night sky, tells him that you can't own the song lines any more than you can own land, man. Think about it. <laughs> I found Derek, that particularly funny. Pretty good. Pretty All good right. hippie, surfer hippie <laughs> stuff here. Um, <laughs> um, Derek spits in his face, so Chopper lets him fall to the to the streets below, presumably killing him. Chopper reflects. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, bad move to spit in the guy's face who's 
keeping you alive. I mean, like that's uh, yeah. Um, he was he's clearly underestimating what level Chopper's on right now because he's not on like I, this is just a friendly chat. You know, <laughs> right. pretty serious. <laughs> um, so Chopper reflects on the danger on the dangerous nature of the song of the wind, the song of the surfer, how it can lead you to both triumph and to death. He's heading home, hopefully to happiness, as the song rings through the land. And that's the end of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Nice. Yeah, just the end of this chopper tale. He'll be back in the magazine in oh. fall of 1993, so about two years from yeah, now. Two good. years of magazines from now. That's what I wanted to know, because I, I, I'm trying to figure out if I'm done with Chopper. I don't think I am. I, I would just want Not him to quite. Do, I want him to do well. I want all the happiness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he'll show up. He'll show up a little bit, but he's definitely not a, like, I wouldn't call him a major magazine character after this. Like, right. you know. But I do think I want him to die. It's a weird feeling mm. I have. I want him to, you know, poetically, you know. Right, right. For the right reason, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, yeah, he's uh, just seen so much stuff, you know. It's just like, <laughs> uh, man, it just ended Chopper. Save one more life and then just, you know, just be done with it. You've done enough. Uh, it's fine. You know, I mean, we'll sort of see how he, how he he's got plenty of time to die heroically in the coming years for right, sure. Right. That you makes know. sense. No reason to be in a rush. <laughs> but speaking of being in a, in a rush to die, Eli. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk uh, story six. I singe the body electric. There's a song that's uh, I Sing the Body Electric, you see. Oh, I don't okay. know. Okay, nice. Sort of yeah, a reference I need, I need here. Those, yeah, I need those references. It makes yeah. the title so much better. I admit I don't know much more about the song besides the title itself, but that's what I, that, that, that's what I got. Um, I think it's like a hippie song. Could be. I don't know. Um, script robot Alan Grant. Art robot Dean Ormstrom. Letting robot Tom Frame. It's the first time. We've seen or uh, uh, Dean or Orm Seed, I should say. Uh, it's, it's the first time we've seen him here. He'll go into a bunch of stuff in the Meg and in 2000 AD. And up until this point, he's mostly been doing album covers and stuff. Um, anyway, a rainy night at the Ben Franklin. Blo- it's a rainy night at the Ben Franklin block as the judges investigate a dead body killed by a power surge coming through their TV. Apparently, a repairman from Ed- Edison TV repairs was there as well. But now he's missing. It seems they're down. Um, it seems they've they've gone down to the generator room where they're grabbing some of the main wires and getting all electricityed up. Oh, geez, they stalk the halls with mental like a, a monologue about people who could conduct some level of electrical charge. And I was bummed, Eli, to look these up and see if they're all kind of made up. None of these are actually real uh. people. Well, after they talked about the last one, uh, the one with the glowing blue breasts, I was like, you know what? They might. This might be fiction. <laughs> yeah, no, I was skeptical as well, but I thought I'd look it up because if it, if it was real, that would be cool. You right. know, I don't know. Um, but this guy, as he goes, then zaps a, a security guard with lightning as lightning bolts like come arcing out of their eye sockets. He's got electricity powers. <laughs> At the repair shop, Dred's investigating the, re- the repair man, and the shop owner isn't very forthcoming. He lies about where the repairman lives, for instance, as the repairman himself, Cosmo, walks through the door. He sees Dred and zaps his gun with electricity and then runs, and Dred's like, luckily these gauntlets are insulated. 
Another judge gets the call and follows Cosmo up a fire escape and Cosmo like shoots electricity down the metal framework of that fire escape, electrocuting him. Bad times for that judge. Um, But eventually Dredd himself gives chase. Cosmo heads to the roof and Dredd follows him. He's got to try to take him out at a distance. So he pulls his boot knife and throws it at um, at this electric guy. But it just bounces off his uh, body's electrical field. And then Cosmo tackles Dredd, calling him the, himself the King of Current, Mr. Voltage, Homo Electro, a new species of Electro Dude. <laughs> the two show down on the roof as the rain falls, and Cosmo grabs a, 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 like a lightning rod that's built in there, as suddenly it's hit by lightning. And instead of powering him up, it instead kills him, his body melting away to reveal a metal skeleton underneath. He's a cyborg! Because it seems that Edison was cutting corners by using a robot repairman instead of a human repairman to kind of cut, yeah, because robots are cheaper than humans. And the power surge in that TV must have sent that robot robot crazy. Not cool! In the previous fight, he broke a leg, but now he's getting 20 years in the cubes as accessory to murder. Oh, that was fun. That was a nice little self-contained story. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And there's twists, suspense, lightning powers, which I are always, you know, a benefit. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's like superpowers, despite what you might see here, superpowers aren't super common in, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in Judge Dredd. So it is kind of funny to have this electric dude kind of show up. But then, you know, as always, listen, Dredd can take you out. It doesn't matter if you've got electric powers. Oh, right. You know, can handle it. But I say it's unusual because, you know, we are definitely are seeing one or two folks with weird abilities as we go to Story 7, Black Widow. Script about John Wagner, art about John Hinklinton, letter about Tom Frame. So this one's at the start of the uh, of, of Magazine 7, and it's the return of the artist John Hinklinton to the podcast, which I'm very excited about. Uh, previously, he'd been dealing out body horror and general weirdness for the Nemesis the Warlock story in 2000 AD, and he'll be here in the Meg doing crazy dread stuff in full color for a bit here. He's got this really, like, the way he draws is this really hyper-exaggerated physicality and stuff like that. That's right. really... It's really interesting, but also it means that he can draw stuff that's gross and it gets real gross, right. basically. Very creepy, yeah. A lot of <laughs> yeah, these exactly. people in this one, uh, I don't think I'd want to hang out with, you know. But, no, I yeah. mean, even the regular people are, are kind of like disturbing a little bit. Right, exactly. And then when there's disturbing stuff, it's real disturbing, right. basically. <laughs> so this story starts off with a big title page is both Dread, um, with both Dread and this mysterious spider lady and her golden hair. Mega City One is a perfect place to build her web as a loser named Murray approaches a lady sitting at a bar. Later, judges are inspecting his body. He's been ripped to shreds, but the cause of death seems to be a poison that dissolves his insides like a spider uses. I have to admit, I loved that the uh, transition from the first page to the second one. It ends, <laughs> it ends with, uh, hey, hey, baby, smile, be happy. This is your lucky day. Murphy is here. And then the, the, you turn the page and it's victim is one Murphy Zoda. 20, exactly. 24 lives with his mother. Like it was uh, – it got me to actually laugh out loud. That was a great moment. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, good, 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 good smash cut there. You know, just 
like going going straight from the pickup line to the um to inspecting the dead body you know that's pretty <laughs> solid uh Murray's buddy explains that he was shocked to see that his friend had actually managed to score with his knockout at the bar. But we see that when that happened in the past, they kind of drove to like some kind of secluded alley or something like that. And things went wrong because basically instead of like, I don't know, there being some kind of date rape or something like that, this lady turned into a giant monster full of like muscles and exposed rib cages and giant teeth and stuff. Big claw face. She's like, you don't want a kiss anymore? The beast <laughs> attacked Murray and a bystander called the cops or the judges and Dredd, and Dredd responds. The beast runs. Dread manages to shoot it a couple times, but not enough to stop it. Soon he's caught up to the monster and it dr- grabs Dread, hits him a few times, just tosses him off a ledge. Though he managed to catch himself. On the run, the monster realizes it has no choice but to turn back into its female form and pretend to be another victim of the beast as Tread tries to pursue it. She kind of does the, uh, it went that away kind of move. The trail ends and Dredd's really confused about what's going on as this woman grabs a car and escapes nakedly into the night. Next time in this story, Nosferatu, Brad his name in blood. So there was a, I should say, and I'm bringing a lot into this, Eli. Um, previously, Dredd has matched wits with an alien called a Nosferatu which is a spider beast from another planet, basically. And that spider, and the name of that spider, or, or like the tagline of that story was um, like, like this week, Dread fights with Nosferatu, write his name in blood. And I really like that um, tagline. So whenever someone says Nosferatu, I say that. And there's usually a bitch and guitar solo when oh. I do. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, That is funny. Um, so, I'm wondering, Nosferatu, I know the vampire Nosferatu. Oh, yes. Is, is it um, in the future, he gets much more spidery? Is that kind of... I mean, I think it's just the that the alien race is called the Nosferatu, oh, I guess. Fun. Because they do kind of like suck your blood out and stuff. Mm, right. And they get their teeth are jacked. I guess that was a long Yeah, and they got, they got big crazy teeth, you mm. know. They'll, they can change shapes. So they can sort of appear sexily and mm. thus lure you into their trap and stuff like – into their right. traps and stuff. Right. That's how they get you. Every time. Every time, Eli. I got to say. <laughs> but hey, speaking of treacherous ladies, Eli <laughs> – Let's go to Story 8, Strange Cases. Script about Warren Ellis, art about Sean Phillips, letting about Annie Parkhouse. And this is the first installment of Judge Edwina's Strange Cases. We seem to be horror-based Mega City 1 stories, I guess. Um, this is sort of going to be an occasional series in the first volume of the magazine and things like that. Um... I think later they're going to change the name of these kinds of stories to being Tales of the Black Library, but still very much, you know, they, you know, it's an anthology comic. So just having these, uh, the ability to tell sort of one-off stories is useful. So you kind of give them a general name, basically. Um, but this one's interesting to me just because it's the only appearance of writer Warren Ellis in the 2008 Diaverse, basically, between here and the Progs. And he's a pretty big British comics author. He wrote comics like uh, Transmetropolitan, Red, Next Wave, and The Authority. 
He's also he was also the other uh, writer for the Netflix Castlevania series as well. Oh wow! Yeah, he's a cool. He's like ha- has written some cool stuff, and usually I'd end it there. But sadly, like in the summer of 2020, he was also revealed to be a real asshole towards a bunch of women online and stuff yes. like that. So, you know, that's just how it goes. But anyway, <laughs> this story, strange cases, Jad Interusi, Interusi, yeah, is a blood sampler. He just gets his blood drawn for a living, and he does practices on himself. He's got 70 pints in his closet. His wife's also left him recently, so just kind of sitting home alone when he's been visited by a bunch of weird, green, muscular demons? Aliens? Uh, mutants. Mutants, that's right. And they're going to eat him. One bites his arm off, and they he wakes up in a bathtub full of salt because they're preserving his flesh for their big trip back to the cursed earth. They came to Mega City 1 to get more salt, and the way they stole it means that the judges could be looking for them for a couple weeks, basically. Which seems rough. This gives Jad an idea, though, because he can use his blood-drawing skills to, like, get the mutants to leave him alive, and they can just drink his stored blood and stuff like that, and they'll just let him live for that time. And it seems like it works for a couple weeks, Eli. It's fine. Good idea. (laughs) But then... Eventually, after two weeks, he gets behind on his alimony and his wife calls angrily. And this seems to scare the mutants enough to make them leave. And since it's a long journey, they got to get some food for the road as an army marches on its stomach. In this case, literally. Um, Soon, Jad's ex-wife arrives and finds Jad in the salt. And it looks like his arms, legs, and most of his torso has been eaten. He's dying. But that doesn't stop his wife from pulling out a knife and fork to get her own pound of flesh. You can't trust these ex-wives. <laughs> Sorry, that's the that's the air horn that we play on Space Spinner when these one-off stories have weird morals and punchlines right. and stuff. Bring it over here. Right. Uh, but I actually thought it was funny. Um, just um, with... Um, uh, the gangster's wife, the gangster having a baby. Uh, I had there's some fil- there's some silly about his wife. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. But I was I was like trying to find the moral. I was like, hey, when you're looking for you know a partner, you know he doesn't need to be your wife, but try to get someone like you know um, uh, Mr. Who because yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's a partner that has your best interest in mind and has combat capabilities. That's what you want in a in a significant other. Don't get you know. Someone who is trying to get you knocked up in, in a weird way, you know, <laughs> for their enjoyment. You know, that's not that's not what you want. I guess, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I guess this lady either. You also one that doesn't want to actually eat you. If you know, if they, they, yeah. If you if what? you can, definitely try to get a try to get yourself a girl that doesn't want to eat you, Eli. I right. think we can all agree on that. You know, you're sitting in your salt bath with your organs spilling out. And they no sympathy at all. You know, that's mm-hmm. this is how you know you made wrong decisions in, you know, the people you yeah, decide to hang no. out with. Exactly. Yeah. You've you've made some bad choices. That's just how it goes, you know. <laughs> Ridiculous. But yeah, no, I think some you know, a lot of times these ones just kinda of have less morals and more punchlines, I guess. That's kind of the big right. difference, I guess. <laughs> yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh man. All right. And then finally this um pr- uh 
Magazine 7 ends with a pinup of just kind of, I don't know, general Mega City 1, like, judges and lady perps and all kinds of other stuff, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was like, oh, what's their story? But I think this might be the end of it. That It might just be this. I look like yeah. this. All right. Yeah, general well. general street scenes, etc. <laughs> cool. Okay, so I think with that, Eli, we finished issues six and seven of the Judge Dredd magazine. Ooh. Oh, geez. Here we go. First quarter of 1991, done and dusted. All right. <laughs> but with that said, that means I have a question for you, my friend. All right. Which is, what were your top and bottom stories for these two issues? All right. So, let's see. I think I have to give top to America. Uh, mm. It just had a really satisfying ending. And um, it, most people don't know this about me. But I, I have such high value for endings of stories. Um, Ooh. Uh, I think it's, maybe it's just me, you know, having a lot of my media being serialized and, you know, just ongoing. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to tell if you like something if it hasn't ended yet. You know, you can think it's right. awesome. But – a good ending or a bad ending can just make the whole rest of it like <laughs> uh, I guess a lot of people have this experience with Game of Thrones they, they didn't like right. the ending and now that entire all those years of me loving it yeah yeah it, it colors the whole series the way it ends right. for sure uh, so that one ended in a very beautiful way and it just made everything up to it even better now that you know it has that uh, such a nice twist and you know interesting uh, elements and I fell yeah. for all the traps as well. And the art was amazing. Oh, nice. There's a, there's a lot, I have a lot of nice things to say about it. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so let's see. Okay, so who could I put on bottom? Um, mm. That is tough because uh, I'm really liking um, the baby story. That's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying uh, Judge uh, Death more and more as we get more into his backstory. Yeah, de- I mean, like we talked about, I think that one's definitely managing to hit its stride at this mm, point. Right. Huh, so let's see. Because uh, I, I have a couple. Um, no, I like the electro guy. I like the cyborg electric. The, the art was really nice, and the twist was nice at the ending. You know, mm-hmm. it, I don't think it really had a moral to it. <laughs> it was just like yeah. a, a crazy sci-fi stuff. So, you know, and that's, yeah. that's all you need. But uh, I, that art kind of saves it but there were a couple of these one shot ones you know like um uh, oh spider lady okay eh. uh goblins eating a dude eh, okay you know is that um but i think i have to give it to now because chopper was also really nice they i feel like although it dang it this is tough <laughs> um it's gonna either be spider lady or the guy in the salt bath uh, so Black Widow or Strange Cases? Yeah. Only I think I'm going to give it to Strange Cases because Black Widow gave me that jump cut. It was mm-hmm. like, it's your lucky day, lady. And then, uh, never mind. <laughs> that guy's dead now. Uh, and I did find um, the design of the spider lady pretty interesting in a, you know, mm-hmm. in a creepy way. But uh, Strange Cases, it was just like, we're green boogers with teeth. Like, okay, I'm not feeling not feeling the love and adoration for, for these. Uh, yeah. And, and it also ended on a really bad, you know, punchline, which, you know, you know, that's kind of what people are going for. But uh, I feel like uh, they gave me way too much setup for just that punchline. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
listen, I'll yeah, listen, I love yeah, I I I'll agree with you on bottom for sure because listen, I love a punchline. I think more than the average person does. <laughs> but there's a difference between a fun punchline and a punchline that doesn't respect me. And I feel like this was not a respectful punchline, right. I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Plus I I really agree that I think these weird green booger mutants or whatever just they aren't what i'm expecting as a judge dread thing and stuff and so they kind of come out of nowhere and thus like sort of they came out of left field to the point where i was like oh this is weird like i don't know what's going on here you know yeah so that's that's easily in the bottom for me although i will say i might put chopper a little bit down there i guess just because i guess i really while it was one thing in that for like in the in that second week of Chopper, where that that space laser came down and killed that guy, I guess. Like in this one, the casualness of some of the violence, I think I didn't really like as much. Mm-hmm. I suppose, right? Like it's really weird going from that one part in a like 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 to that part in a going from like maybe that part in a Amer- or the violence in like America and like seeing. Like, um, you know, this guy get like shot to pieces or something and that being really like evocative emotional violence mm. to right. just a surfboard casually decapitating somebody, I guess, right. like like um, almost for as a, as a joke, mm. I suppose. Right. Like the the tone is kind of off there. And so I'm not, I'm not liking that as much. Mm. Right. And it, uh, they did bring Chopper into more like a vigilante. Like uh, I really yeah. did like the spiritual elements that they were going for and like, you know finding your place in the world but then these last couple of chapters has been like beat up the bad guy get vengeance blow up a truck and it, it, yeah it i mean this more was action movie on us definitely yeah i mean except for like the actual like uh murders or whatever this was a very batman end to mm-hmm. this story right. you know like i mean this is literally like what bat like again maybe not decapitating people but <laughs> definitely like swooping around and using trickery to beat everybody up and stuff like yeah. that Right. And then a lot of threatening to drop people from high places or whatever. Like that's – those are very Batman things to do, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so – yeah. But I'd say Strange Case my bottom. And then I'll, I'll agree with you also for my top. Man, the end of America is so great. Um, and, and, and sticks with you. I think especially the um, – just like some of those final lines and stuff. Like th- those two images of Benny talking about like America's search for freedom – and then Judge Dredd after that saying that freedom is a dream that does right. not exist. Like right. though, that one-two punch is really incredible, right. I think. Yeah, and it, I think it uh, touches on an emotional level as well because it's like um, uh, Benny is finding a way to fight for freedom in a way that works for him. Like the character mm-hmm. made that full circle, you know. He had, yeah. had America with him all the time, and she always had that view on freedom. And he kind of was like, uh, you know, I'm not not so sure. Hey, maybe it's all right to not do these things. And then after all these things, him, like, feeling like he's has to embody, uh, like, he ha- has a purpose now. And it's still hmm. weird, though. It's still, like, um his own punishment for killing freedom. Like, he, yeah. he's, like, crushing a dream is one of the most horrible things to do. And then realizing that that's what this system does. And there's nothing you really do about it. Um, yeah, he feels the need to try to redeem himself for what he's done right, from it. Right. It's interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure someone could write a whole paper on uh, like uh, psychology and symbolism of you know uh, that America story. 
I think they have actually. I know I've seen some people try to put pen to paper, mm, kind yeah. of talk about why this is an important story. I think it definitely, you know, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, definitely. And I think you know, there's a lot to be talked about with like how Judge Dredd is about, you know, is this story about fascism or about like um, dictatorship stifling freedom and stuff? And this has got to be a real, a big pillar in that kind of discussion. You know, absolutely. Right. And it's sad because the moral kind of – I mean it ended and it's kind of like, yeah, it didn't work. All right. So anyway, like uh, – so I don't know. That, I mean, yeah. it's uh, well, but, I mean, but I mean it feels like also just in this world of Mega City 1 that we're in, it feels like a realistic ending. Right. That's the know? appropriate – yeah, exactly. Like because I can't think of a more BS ending than if they did destroy the Statue of Liberty and that caused like change – or something mm-hmm. right. like that, I guess. Right. Like that doesn't feel true to the world that we're seeing of Judge Dredd either, you know? Right. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah. Uh, and it, uh, yeah, painted the judges as an antagonist and, you know, showed their, you know, destructive force. Yeah. No mm-hmm. way uh, three people and, you know, several tons of TNT were going to uh, topple the judges. They have right. society in a vice grip. So they're, and they're not uh, afraid of getting dirty to, uh, you know, keep oh, it no. that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I really love the story. And it's definitely one that I think is going to echo through the magazine as, as the years go by as well. Fantastic. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Big Meg One on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site at BigMegOne.com. Feel free to contact us at BigMegOne at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. For all of those, you're going to look up Big Meg One, and that's O-N-E, and you'll find us there. Uh, then this show is brought to you by Steve Green. Um, Zane Kip Miller and your friend at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd truly appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with my buddy Fox and myself. Then come back next time as Eli is going to take a quick break as as I'll talk as I'll be talking about the 1991 Judge Dredd Mega Special with a guest and then and then we should all come back the week after that as Eli's back and we're going to talk um, about Nosferatu building its web a young death heading to court Al getting maternal and we'll start three new stories Red Razors Armitage and the Straight Jacket Fix. The straight jacket fits. <laughs> We're at the meat of volume one of the magazine, and you won't want to miss it. And until then, I'm Conrad, there you lie, and we are Big Meg One. Drock it! Drock it!